Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us today on the Messengers podcast. Today, we're doing a discussion on the difference between cost versus value. Um, it's a topic that we kind of see becoming more and more of an issue for people uh, only looking at the price tag and what something costs and not actually evaluating what the uh, long-term costs of certain options are, um, what some of the differences between quality standards are going to be between something that costs a little less, something that costs a little more, uh, how much things cost you to maintain and keep over time. So uh, a lot of good information here. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, welcome to the Messengers Podcast. I am Chris Searles. With me here today is uh, the man with the best beard on Long Island, Mr. Rob Seifert. That's a stretch. Well, I, I you don't get well, I don't get a comment beard. on my beard. <laughs> <laughs> How about the the best touch of gray beard on Long Island in this room? Yeah, yeah, that's more appropriate. <laughs> uh, so. Recently, I uh, I was had a conversation with with somebody in which um, brought up a conversation I had a long time ago, kind of back when I was starting my career um, uh, in my first business, my uh, software company that we had started, um, and it was a conversation I had with a, a at that time it was a, a prospective customer. Um, that had been outsourcing all their software engineering to India um, and had become so frustrated with the process of trying to communicate and, um, you know, not being able to basically sending an email in the middle of the day uh, and then needing to wait until they got into work that night to be able to then respond back to an email that the, you know, that they had sent. So, you know, it was like every time you wanted to send one email, it's a full day turnaround to, to actually get an answer back. And, um, you know, they were frustrated with the quality of the work that they were getting all everything across the board, uh, and came in and said, look, we just, we have to bring it. We have to bring it back to the States and work with somebody that we can communicate with. Super important to us. Um, you know, and at the time I I think we were, you know, our offices were in the, in Manhattan. So, uh, they were, you know, a few blocks away. It was easy to get together and sit down and, and have face to face conversations, uh, and everything that they had talked about from that, from, from day one was how important that stuff was to them. Uh, they were that frustrated with the way that it was going. They needed that ability. Um, and then we did a quote and never heard back until we followed up and they said uh it was too much money we have to stick with outsourcing it to india um and it kind of prompted the a thought on the difference between what something costs and the value that you actually get out of it Uh, and we see it a lot here in our business that way too often people aren't comparing apples to apples in what the final product's going to be or what the process is going to be when they're dealing with one vendor versus another vendor. uh, And they'll look at the dollar figure attached to it without accounting for what's included in that price and the, you know, the the benefits that they're going to get working with 
vendor A versus vendor B. Um, and a lot of times it's a conversation that we then have to have to kind of explain the differences um, between, you know, yes, that number might be cheaper than what our number was, but, um, you know, to, to, I guess to talk in specifics, for example, most of our competitors on the print side of things don't have an in-house proofreader. We do, right? So um, everything that we do gets proofread and it gets looked at. And we've, we, I mean, all, I mean, constantly are told by clients, oh my God, thank you. You saved us. We sent you something. Your proofreader found something that nobody here saw. Uh, it got fixed and that would have never happened if we went somewhere else. And, um, you know, things like that that happen all the time. Sometimes to the degree that the client has to reprint the entire product. Oh, yeah. That's what happens. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we just, that just happened recently, right? Where, mm-hmm. you know. It happens a lot. Yeah. Come on. Jobs um, that come from the outside. Yeah. yeah. So just that's really kind of where I wanted to start with this conversation, this episode, this podcast today was to uh, to kind of talk about that and, and have, you know, a real discussion about um, looking at value. I think we've we've become such a a price focused society. I mean, everybody now, you know, you buy airplane. I mean, that's really, I guess, the perfect example is the air, airline industry, right? Where air, airlines started charging for luggage and they started charging for baggage because they knew that all anybody was worried about was the price of a ticket, the cost of the ticket. And if you could bury a $50 luggage fee after they were on you know Expedia or, or you know whatever they were using to compare the base price of the ticket to some to another airlines then they could still charge more but all you were going to look at is the base price of that ticket and how much cheaper it was um, or you know what that's why they got they've gotten rid of food on airlines because people stopped valuing getting a meal on an airline. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was all about just what does it cost? What does it cost? What does it cost? Um, and, you know, we we see that a lot. I mean, and I think um, online shopping is, is certainly uh, a contributor to that because it's so easy to, to kind of price compare. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the, the rise of the Walmarts of the world and the, you know, the big box retailers that are out there has a, had a big effect as well. Um, and I think what's happened is we've taken what is valid, you know, price comparisons and saying, you know, well, these two things are the same and I can get it from this place, you know, at 20% less than I can get it from somewhere else. Mm. And we've started to now apply it to, well, I have these two options. One of them is clearly superior to the other one, but this one costs significantly less. I'm just going to buy the one that's cheaper, not thinking about the fact that, you know, it's going to last half as long. And so, yeah, it might cost 20% less, but you're only going to get half of the usage you, out of it that you would get out of something else. Yes, uh, I deal with that a lot in the bid process also, uh, where um, uh, clients ask us to uh, bid on projects and you know they don't take into account all the services that we offer um you know uh, they're just uh looking at the lowest price and uh, they want to work with us because we offer the best services we have you know we have proofreading we deliver the job we don't charge for extra proofing on projects and uh what happens is uh they're compelled to take the lowest bid 
And then what happens is they get all those extra hidden costs after the fact where people say it's extra for delivery or extra for, you know, running proofs after, you know, after uh, the, the files are ripped. And that's, you know. Yeah, it's a lot of intangibles, right? That, right. that sometimes can't be quantified or specced, you know, on a bid sheet or, or, you know, they're not because somebody doesn't know to spec those out and, mm -hmm. and that actually happens a lot with us um, you know just uh, again the proofreading um, element of it is kind of a big deal for us because a lot of times you know if we get if if we're going to bid a print job that's not necessarily in a bid spec that you need to have an, a proofreader on staff and that's going to look at everything and do everything and um, so we still have that cost baked into what our price is going to be because that's a service that we're going to provide no matter what and that's somebody that we have to staff you know that we do staff either way um but it doesn't always you know it's not won't benefit us in in a bid process where it's strictly based on price and you're not worried about um you know it's, it's generally always lowest responsible bidder but that doesn't necessarily disqualify somebody that doesn't have that service if mm -hmm. it wasn't in the bid spec to begin with um, you know, so, so there are always intangibles. I mean, even, uh, for a lot of, a lot of the organizational clients, you know, whether it's, um, government or, um, uh, you know, taxpayer funded organizations that we deal with that have to go out to bid on certain things, um, there's always a nervousness on the part of our clients when they have to go to bid that we might not win the bid again mm -hmm. uh, because the intangible of how easy we are to deal with versus every other printer that they've ever dealt with in their life and um, you know and and what we do just from a customer service standpoint that again can't really be quantified in in Right. in a bit and in a number where you know their staff doesn't want to work with anybody else they don't want to go anywhere else and it's going to be a nightmare and we know that they're going to have problems right. uh to, you know based on whoever else is kind of bidding on that project and and you know could be qualified to bid on that project uh, and their staff a lot of times their staff knows they're going to have problems because they worked with those companies before they came and started working with us and and um you know and it's tough when you're kind of obligated in that process to not really be able to look at intangibles, right? it can be difficult. It makes things, you know, really difficult. Well, that's kind of why they say the bid process is broken, you know. Mm -hmm. It's just that those those are the reasons. Yeah. Uh, it's frustrating, I know, on our end and for our clients too, you know, especially if we lose a client for that reason. And usually we get them back. They find a way to get their way, you know, back here so that they can get the customer service they want. Um, you know, so their deadlines don't get missed. So that well, and that's you know, once you get to lowest responsible bidder, when if you then go with somebody else and they can't actually produce what they say they're going to produce, you know, then yeah, they're uh, right. at some point they're going to come back, and that certainly has happened where we've lost clients to somebody that just you know underbid something to the point where you're looking at at management and a board that says we we can't not try this out and explore this option to see if it will work at that price most of the time if not all the time it doesn't um and you know it ends up coming back as a you know kind of a disaster but right. um 
and the, and the quality too of the product you know not just the deadlines i mean we you know we stand behind what we do here too and it, it's you know i know other places where they deal with you know printers that aren't going to reprint jobs that were printed incorrectly um they're mm -hmm. just not going to do it and we we typically stand by the quality of our printing and if there's an issue that was due to you know whether it was a mechanical or you know um uh, an error that was made by a designer in-house or something like that then we're gonna we're gonna reprint that job well a lot of times with print specifically what we see really often are um printers that that do a lot of bid work uh, as a way to kind of bring their their costs down uh, they'll buy what we call like job lot stock which is basically mm -hmm. the the mill rejected that paper saying it doesn't meet our spec for consistent you know a lot of times it's consistency mm -hmm. um, where you know they're producing a specific sheet needs to be a specific width and um, you know milled you know uh, milled to a certain standard basically right, right. Um, and anything that they produce that doesn't actually meet their spec, they sell at a deep discount as, you know, what we call job lot. Right. Um, and we know a lot of printers that buy job lot stock uh, and will, because it's cheaper, and they'll bid on jobs and be able to come in significantly cheaper uh, because that's the paper that they're printing it on. But the, the consistency of the print job and the you know the print quality is can be horrible right. um but you don't really have any recourse for that because that's that's what they're using they're not going to change anything they're not going to do it and you know how with somebody first of all with somebody that's going to under you know lowball a job like that in the first place they don't have the profit margins built in to be able to reprint a job mm -hmm. uh but you know on the other side of that is they're expecting that level of quality and you can complain about it all you want, but the response is going to be, that's what you're paying for. Right. I, you know, that's, there's, there's that's your it. value for right. that cost. <laughs> exactly. Right. Um, and that's, you yeah. know, and that's, there's a big difference there. And a yeah. lot of times, you know, especially I think it's harder with, um, uh, you know, we talked in last week's episode about print being a manufacturing process. And I think it's harder, uh, with when you're looking at something that's essentially custom manufacturing, you don't really know what the quality of what you're buying is going to be if you've never bought it from that from that manufacturer before. Mm. Um, so dealing with somebody that might not stand behind their work the way that we do, for example, mm. um, can can certainly be a, a big factor and a big intang intangible in yeah. what you're paying versus what you're going to get right could mean reprinting the entire job um, yeah. i see i see these these things in terms of design too uh i you know countless times i've sat down with clients um that come in with logos and they're ready to start working on a print piece or uh, a designed print piece and they're not print files you know they, they had them designed online by somebody and mm -hmm. they paid fifty dollars for somebody that does logos to design it and i know we did an episode about this where we talked about logo design and how all the you have to have all these different file types and you have to have it designed as a vector yep. file and we, we they pretty much have to pay for it again in order to get their print piece done and have it look 
like a quality piece. And actually, that's um, interesting too, because not only that, but but I mean, how many times do we have somebody that again doesn't they don't know graphic design, they don't know print design, they don't know anything about the print process, and they'll they'll lay something out in Microsoft Word and mm-hmm. say you, you know because they didn't want to pay a designer to do it, mm-hmm. and then they send that and expect that it's going to look the way that it looked you know on their computer right. once it actually goes to press which is just it's just not <laughs> no because half the time it right it's it's set up incorrectly for print in terms of print specs and and images are low resolution and they look great on screen but they're going to print poorly right. it's things that you know if you're talking about you know cost versus value they're really not saving anything by doing it themselves because right. it can't be printed if right. they would have come here initially it would have been built correctly and and not only that but but sometimes it ends up costing more because right. you know we have to redesign the whole job and they've you know mm-hmm. either spent the time to try to do it themselves and then all that time gets wasted because it's not usable right. um you know we see that a lot uh on the the um digital side of things like in in web design and stuff like that where we look at somebody who you know they decide they want to learn how to build a website because they think you know well it should be easy i can use i can go to you know one of these website builders and do this and that and whatever mm-hmm. do it all myself and they'll spend a week trying to learn how to do all this only to find out uh, it's just really isn't something i'm any good at and and should be doing and then they make the decision to you know, hire somebody like us to do it for them. Right. And you've just wasted a week of your life. And what value could you have brought to your business if you put that time into working on developing your business or sales or networking or anything else other than trying to learn how to be a web designer in your spare time? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I think a lot of times people don't consider the longevity of a product like a website and, you know, that they're going to keep it forever and they'll deal with someone that's going to build it cheaply, like you said, and then they go to call them up to make an edit in a few months, and they're out of business. Oh, that happens I mean, all the time. Yeah. I mean, we get, I can't tell you how many phone calls we get mm-hmm. constantly that, well, yeah, you know, this was some guy that was recommended by a friend, mm-hmm. you know, that built this for me two years ago, and he moved away, and I have no idea how to get in touch with him anymore, and I don't have access to anything, and I can't make any changes, and I can't do this, that, and what, and you know, so yeah, maybe you saved a thousand dollars, two thousand dollars, but what does that cost you in the fact that you've not had the ability to update your website in two years, you know, and and um, those are the kind of things that we're talking about when we talk about, you know, consider value not just you know what something costs is is irrelevant without some consideration of the return that you're going to get on that you know Mm -hmm. if i told you something costs ten thousand dollars and something else costs a hundred thousand dollars you can say wow the hundred thousand dollar one's expensive but if that's going to bring you a million dollars in revenue and return and the and the the thing that costs ten thousand is only going to bring you fifteen thousand dollars then invest the hundred thousand you know, I mean, it's and that's really what you're talking about. It's not just what the dollar figure is. It's what is it going to bring you on the back end? Right. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. As always, please feel free to visit us online at messengers.blog. Follow us on Instagram at messengerscast. Uh, and don't forget to subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Thanks.